0: Thank you, Lord, that you are worthy of all our praise, more than we can give. And pray that as we reflect together for a short while, that we may be drawn closer to your heart of love and may find your spirit deep within us. Amen. Well, last night we went through the twice yearly business of tinkering with our clocks, I don't know whether you have all your timepieces uh, with the new time on yet or not. All these digital things, of course, put themselves right, don't they, for us, without all the effort. Uh, if you forgot to put your clocks back, of course, you would have arrived at church an hour early this morning. If you do the same thing in the spring, you embarrassingly arrive late, just in time for the benediction. Um, How do we remember which way to go? Well, it's that simple rule of thumb, isn't it? The fall back in the autumn, what the Americans call the fall. Fall back in the autumn, spring forward in the spring. Simple way of remembering. And then I try to remember, well, is it going to be lighter or darker in the morning? I can't get my head around that one. I have to wait and see. Time is the way by which we measure so many things, isn't it? Uh, You know, 24 hours divides one day from another and seven days go past and then we talk about beginning a new week. Um, we work through the seasons of the year, and we find that uh, when we work through spring and summer and autumn and winter, uh, we have worked through a whole year, uh, although the British weather, of course, sometimes brings us four seasons in one day. And then we lie, measure our lives by our birthdays, and we rejoice as our children or grandchildren nieces and nephews have birthdays, and as we get older, we probably try to forget about them a little bit. And we measure our achievements or our losses by anniversaries. We talk about the third anniversary of having been in this job or the tenth anniversary since I lost my husband or wife or whatever it happens to be. You know there's a well-known children's game, What's the Time at Mr. Wolf? It's a game that's played in the playground by a group of children who gather together and follow one person who centers as the leader in front. Have you all played this? Or did you lead a deprived childhood that one child is sent forward in the front as the wolf and the others follow very cautiously behind and chant, what's the time, Mr. Wolf? The wolf turns round and says, one o'clock. And this goes on, might be three o'clock, five o'clock. And suddenly when the wolf decides that the time is right, he'll turn round and say, Time for dinner! And he'll run and chase the children and he'll grab the nearest child and, of course, that child who's caught becomes the wolf and the whole cycle starts over again. That that children's game actually illustrates very nicely the two types of time that we find in the Bible. Because we have two types of time. We have the sort of time that we call chronology. Um, uh, It's one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. It's whatever it happens to be on the clock. But then there's another kind of time, and dinner time for the wolf is not six o'clock or seven o'clock. Dinner time for the wolf is when the wolf happens to be feeling, well, two things, really. One, when the wolf is feeling hungry, and secondly, when he believes that the prey is near enough to be caught. It has to be the right time, the right moment. And it's those two different types of time that we we find referred to um, in the Bible, And they're referred to by two different Greek words when it comes to the New Testament, chronos, from which we get our chronology, whether it happens to be which day of the week or spacing of time. And kairos is the other word. Kairos is the right moment, the appropriate moment. So we find both those different ways of describing time um, in the Bible. Now, of course, much of the Bible is narrative, isn't it? In the Old Testament, we have the story of the history of Israel, and therefore, it's a history of a people in time. And uh, the Old Testament records um, about so much about the kings, very often how long they reigned, how old they were when they died, uh, and all the rest of it. And sometimes events are linked to a particular time in history. Um, the famous call of the prophet Isaiah begins with those words, in the year that King Isaiah died. I saw the Lord. That's when I had the vision and was called to be a prophet. A specific time. That's all about chronology. And uh, in the New Testament, similarly, the Gospel writers are talking about the story of Jesus, which is a narrative story. And then we go on to the Acts of the Apostles where we find the development of the the early church. And that's all about time. And so often we find in the Gospels uh, the, the phrase, the same day or the next day or later that day, or seven days later. It is all about chronology, those things. Or maybe it's something that's marked by a particular festival that comes around every year, the Feast of the Dedication or the Festival of the Passover. And they're all references to chronology, about when something happened in time. But of course, in a way, it's the other word for time that we find in the New Testament, kairos, which is the more important of these two words. And I'm told it occurs 86 times in the New Testament. So, popular word. When Paul wrote his letter to the Galatians, he talks about Jesus having come, God sending his son in the fullness of time. It's an interesting phrase, and we could spend a, an evening, I suppose, having a discussion about what Jesus meant by that. People have often wondered what... Uh, Paul meant by talking about Jesus coming in the fullness of time. One of the uh, famous, well-known Scottish preachers of a previous generation and uh, uh, writer, James Stewart, uh, offered some thoughts um, on this. Um, he did shared his views about this. He said it was a politically appropriate moment because most of the world uh, was part of the great Roman Empire. It was an appropriate moment from a point of view of where communications were concerned, because there was a good road system, and therefore the, uh, the roads that were used by the armies to keep law and order for the emperor uh, in Rome could also be used by the messengers of the king of kings to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was a moment when vast numbers of people could communicate with each other because the Greek language was known by so many people around the Roman Empire. And he lists several other reasons as to why it was the appropriate moment that in the whole of history, God should choose that moment to send Jesus into the world. Interesting and stimulating thoughts. You might have other thoughts yourself as to why it was in the fullness of time, that moment, when God chose to send Jesus. But one certain thing is this, that when Jesus came, it was the right time for people to respond. And if they didn't take opportunity at that right time, then they missed it. The opportunity was gone. According to Mark's Gospel, Jesus began his public ministry by declaring, the right time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe. That was a call to people to respond. And as we heard from our reading from John's Gospel that uh, Francis read for us, uh, Jesus refers to himself, as we know, as the light of the world. And he talked about his presence in the world as being the time when the light was around and warned that the time was coming, referring to the time of his crucifixion, when there would be darkness and the light would no longer be with them. So walk while you have the light. And the darkness will not catch you. So the presence of Jesus on earth, his ministry, his teaching, uh, and all the rest of it, was an opportunity. It was God's moment for people not to miss. And of course, many of the parables that Jesus told, they uh, finish up with a very strong uh, plea at the end of the story. There's a sort of critical moment when people are called to respond. They weren't just fanciful stories that people could enjoy and then go home and say, well, that was very nice. They listened to a story and there was an opportunity to respond. And in fact, if they missed that opportunity, it was gone. There would be a time when it was too late. Well, we know about the caros time in the world of nature, don't we? at least if you live in an agricultural part of the world, or even in an agricultural part of this country, you know anything about farming at all, you know uh, that there are uh, caros moments, especially when it comes to harvest time. You watch the corn grow, and if you reap it too early, uh, you sacrifice the quality, it's not quite ready. If you leave it too long, you may well get caught by the storms, and it will be damaged there is a right moment to harvest. And very often it's a very, very small window of opportunity. And so the farmer and the farmer's employees go out and they work long hours. They work all out in order to get it all in. There is the moment not to be missed. So if we know about the caros moment in the world of nature... It's even more important that we understand something about the Kairos moment in the spiritual realm as well. You know, the word Caros has actually been taken up in the world of prisons. Uh, for a number of years, uh, there's been a Kairos uh, movement in many prisons in various parts of the world, but uh, certainly here in, Ameri- in America and uh, in, the, in the UK. And it's a program which is, of course, about basic Christianity. But it does much more than just teach people about God. It aims to create, with the blessing of prison authorities, it aims to create a community within the prison where people who have committed themselves to the Christian faith can live by that rule. And uh, not only have their lives changed and redirected by Christian conversion, but have the opportunity to sustain it in some kind of fellowship together. And of course, for people in prison, that Kairos moment, that Kairos program, is about seizing the opportunity when things in their life have probably got to rock bottom because they've got into a complete mess over the years. And now is the moment when they can, with God's help and with an acknowledgement of God's mercy, turn things round. But the presence of the Kairos program in prison, of course, is simply a reminder to all of us that we need the mercy and the grace of God we often need the opportunity of a new beginning in our lives and we need to take those moments of opportunity to confess and to seek God's forgiveness. And if we strayed into selfish or disobedient phase of our lives as it's so easy to do and we've sort of in a way left God behind us then we need to seize the moment of opportunity and come to his throne of grace and find, ask and find his offer of forgiveness. And that's why we build into our Christian worship a regular pattern of confessing our sins to give us opportunity to come back, to seize the moment in that moment of confession, to come near to God again. Well, accepting uh, God's mercy and forgiveness when we need it is just one example of uh, a kairos moment in our lives or kairos moments in our lives, moments we need to seize. I want to say something about acknowledging what God is doing because there are times when, there are particular times when it seems that God is working and we need to recognize what's going on. I had intended at this point in the sermon to tell you a story from 40 years ago, towards the beginning of my ministry, when I was involved in a particular project and uh, somehow things came together in a most remarkable way that just couldn't have been predicted. But something happened on Friday that I thought, no, I'll leave that one outside and I'll, I'll tell you this story instead. Because on Friday, my wife and I had agreed to have our two youngest grandchildren for the afternoon. And then one of them said, can, can our cousin come along as well? So we had three of them for the afternoon. Uh, two old 7 seven-year-old and a, uh, and a four-year-old. And my wife said, I think we need to split them up. These two boys have been together all week. I said, it sounds like a good idea to me. So she took the two older ones to the cinema and I took the youngest one off to a, a play centre, an indoor play centre in, in Folkestone. Uh, that was very popular with him. And it was very busy, it was half-term holiday, it was a damp afternoon, so, you know, these indoor centres become very popular. And after a short moment of queuing, we were taken to a, allocated allocated table in this centre right by the big central climbing frame. And in this crowded hall, I found myself sitting next to a grandmother, and she was there with four of her grandchildren, and uh, a really most horrendous story. I mean, we just got talking because we were sitting clo- close together. Uh, and a week ago, um, her daughter uh, had a breakdown and was taken off into a psychiatric unit. Um, and she got these three boys of ten and eight and six, and a baby of three months, and there were two older children in their teens. Um, and even worse than that, the daughter was the principal carer for, her husband, who is significantly disabled, and she 's suddenly taken out of the picture and into hospital and Grandma goes and moves in and just steps in to the breach and just tries to hold it all together during half term week and you know she 'd been so busy she hadn 't really had chance to do anything i 'm pretty sure she hadn 't had chance to talk to anybody about it. And there she was sitting next to me. We were both free because grandchildren were roaming around having a great time, not bothering about us. She was just able to unburden herself. When I woke up on Friday morning, I had no idea that I was going to this play centre. I did just say, you know, Lord, this is your day and help us to use it in a sensible and helpful way. And then I found myself next to this woman. I'm quite sure God had engineered that. It was a Kairos moment wasn't something I'd made, but it was a, a God's moment, a God's way of doing things. And I wonder whether these things happen. And I guess you could tell me stories of things that have happened in your life in similar ways. When you felt God was in that, God brought us together, or God put me in this situation. Are we sufficiently tuned in to notice when these things happen? And to say that was one of those kairos moments. Let me mention just one other kind of kairos moment. And that, of course, is the time when God calls us to do some kind of service. Because when we become disciples of Jesus, we're all called to do some kind of work. Um, For some, it's up front work in the public eye. For other people, it's more um, in the background For some people, it's um, full-time work in the church through ordained ministry. But for many, it's in home and work life, day by day. But God presents all of us with many, many opportunities from time to time. And sometimes avenues of service. And the question is, are we ready to seize that moment of opportunity when God gives it to us? I've listened to, over the years, to many people uh, giving an account of their call to ministry And I know Tony will have done as well because as we sit in our ministerial session of Synod, we hear people coming and giving an account of their call to ministry. Uh, And it's surprising the number of times when people say, well, I felt this nudging and I thought God was saying this, but I tried to put it off. And sometimes the opportunity was missed and sometimes the opportunity was missed for 20 years, but God got them in the end, as it were. And... uh, there is a moment for responding. Maybe nothing to do with full-time ministry. It may be a simple matter of reaching out to somebody we meet or come across um, in the street. A number of times I've seen somebody and I thought, I wonder whether I should help them. And I've ummed and about it and I've walked on and I've turned around and I thought, if they're still there when I get back, I'll, I'll go and do something for them. And of course, very often they moved on by that time. The opportunity has been missed. God gives us these opportunities, presents them to us sometimes, puts, us, puts people in our way. So whether it's a matter of accepting God's grace for in, uh, needing that moment, the appropriate moment of mercy, whether it's recognizing what he is doing around us and maybe drawing us into, or whether it's responding to some particular kind of call to action for him, it's important that we stay sufficiently in tune with God so that we don't miss those opportunities those kairos moments the moments when God wants to do something in our lives those of you who come to church on Sunday mornings here will know that uh, Martin Atkins our superintendent minister has a habit now um, almost I think every Sunday of saying as we come to the end of the service maybe before the last hymn maybe just before the blessing if God has spoken to you this morning or if you've come here with a burden this morning, or if something has happened, or if God has topped you through the prayers, or if something is disturbing you in your life, then we have a prayer team at the front of the church at the end of the service. Don't miss this opportunity of doing business with God before you go home. I think that's Martin's way of saying, but maybe a Kairos moment in your life this morning, and if there is then don't go home without seizing it. And so I take that invitation to mean precisely what we've been thinking about this evening. There are caros moments in our lives, God's special times for us. And when they come, we need to make sure that we don't miss them.